Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one and all to the First Baptist Church. Nice to see everyone and then those that are watching and uh, those that are listening, wherever you may be. As you know, we're studying through the book of Revelation. And we're going to finish the second half of chapter 9. We're going to read in uh, from uh, verse 12 to the end of the chapter. The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. May God give us understanding of his word today. Amen. So the final verse in chapter 8, it warned that out of the seven scroll judgments, that the last one would be worse. Let's read that verse 13. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. And we're told in verse 12 that the first woe is already passed. We've already passed that last week. Two other woes are yet to come. These woes happen when the seventh angel blows 
his trumpet. And each angel that blows his trumpet releases more calamity on the inhabitants of the face of the earth during the tribulation period. We learned last week in this chapter 9 that the fifth angel, he blew his trumpet, it unleashed three other judgments, as we've read in verse 12, called the woe judgment. The word woe means severe suffering and distress. Now, the tribulation period is going to be a time of severe suffering and distress never seen before on planet Earth. It'll be a time of severe suffering and distress, especially the last three and a half years, which is referred to as the Great Tribulation, where the severity of God's judgments on believers will be so much worse. Jesus warns himself in Matthew 24, he says, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, which is a Saturday, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been seen from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. So it's going to be the worst period in history, in the history of mankind. That's seven years, especially the second half, three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. So how we are blessed to be either born in America or become a citizen, like I have, in this great country, and also to be blessed to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, not only because he saved us from our sins, which he did. We don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus did that on the cross for us. He's also saved us from the wrath to come. And it will come. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. When we anticipate the Lord's return, we're told to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. It's right there in scripture. It's coming. That's First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful to be here. Thank you for those that are listening and watching, wherever you may be. We do need understanding of your word. Need clarity. We need insight and to know what these passages of Scripture are trying to teach us and do teach us. So we need your Holy Spirit to enlighten us and help us to be tuned in and concentrate. We can miss something so easily. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, according to Verse 13, the sixth drum, trumpet judgment, it comes from, like, from a voice in heaven. It, it could be an angel. It could be Christ. It doesn't tell us. Whoever it is, it's more likely to be Christ because it gives the, he gives the order for the sixth trumpet angel to blow his trumpet. How many trumpets are there? How many angels are there? Seven. 
So this is the sixth trumpet. And this is going to release four other angels, but these are demon angels. And it says that they're bound and have been bound for a very, very long time at the river Euphrates. It's then that a massive invasion is about to begin that God will allow a third of the earth's population to be wiped out. Completely wiped out. So most likely, we're talking about the river Euphrates. This is going to be over in the Middle East where this happens. A third of the earth's population will be wiped out. So this ensuing slaughter, it's going to send a clear message to the two-thirds of the population of the earth, a clear message that are left behind to beware, because it might happen to them, and to turn from their sins to the Savior. You know, that if, if nothing else would do it, when there's a third of the population of the earth wiped out, you think they'd be very scared. They're certainly going to be warned that it could happen to them. And there's an opportunity for them to turn from their sins to the Savior. It's a gigantic wake-up call, to say the least. In verse 14, it's about these four unholy angels. You've got the holy angels in heaven, and you've got the unholy angels that were cast out uh, that followed Satan's rebellion before the world was even created. A third of the population of heaven. Innumerable. Millions upon millions upon millions of them. These are just four. They're unholy angels. They've been held captive for eons of time at the Euphrates River. Whether it's in the river or at that locality, it doesn't matter. But they've been chained up there. All right? Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, what was their sin? They rebelled against God. They followed Satan in that rebellion. Amen? Amen. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So these four that have been held in chains waiting for the judgment at the end, end times, and eventually they're going to be cast into the lake of fire along with the Antichrist and the false prophet and all the unbelievers that are left and those that have already died still awaiting judgment. They're going to be released, these four particular unholy angels. For a purpose. We'll get there in a minute. Let's talk about the river Euphrates. In fact, it came up, it was read this morning in Sunday school. I just had to, I was I was amused by that, the fact that it just coincides with what I was going to preach, and that happens all the time. It mentions the Euphrates River. And uh, the Euphrates, it runs between uh, Iraq, modern-day Iraq. Obviously, you know it's a river. It runs through Iraq, it runs through Syria, and the country of Turkey. Now, in ancient days, modern-day Iraq, the country of Iraq, it was called Babel. Babel. Later, Babylon. 
same place, modern day Iraq. Now this area is located near the Garden of Eden. This location is where sin came into the world when Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Remember that? Then sin came in, ruined everything. This is the location of the first murder when Cain killed his brother Abel. This is Babylon. This is the location of the first cult at the Tower of Babel. This is the birth, birthplace of paganism where idol worship began. So it was a wicked place, right? So this is where these four demonic angels have been held captive in chains at the Euphrates. They're still chained up. They've not been released yet. It's not time. But during the second half of the tribulation, these four will be. But they're, they're going to be released temporarily. You know, and then they're going to be put back in chains. These four are different from the innumerable evil spirits, also unholy angels, who so are free to operate in the unseen world, in the spiritual realm, that we cannot see with the naked eye. But uh, the word of God is emphatic. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, you know, tangible human beings, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, like I said last week, you know, they have... These wicked angels, these fallen angels, the evil spirits, there's different types, and they also have different ranks. Remember that? Oh. Verse 15, it tells us that God, who is sovereign, who is in control, he has prepared these four demon angels for the exact hour. Look at 15. For the exact hour, the exact day, the exact month, and the exact year to lead an army of millions of other demons that will kill a third of mankind in the latter half of the seven-year tribulation period. So obviously these are high-ranking demons, those four, because they're going to lead a massive army of somewhat lower rank demons, evil spirits. It tells us how many they are, or will be. Now the prophet Daniel, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never been seen since there was a nation until that time going to be horrendous now also listen to jesus for then there will be great tribulation such as not been from the beginning of the world until now no and never will be we read that earlier but he carries on and he says 
And if those days had not been cut short, what days are you talking about? The tribulation. In those days had not been cut short, it's only seven years, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. The elect are those that are going to be saved during the tribulation period. So if God didn't intervene, or he doesn't intervene because it's not happened yet, if he does not intervene and stop the carnage during the great tribulation period, then the whole population of mankind would be completely exterminated. But for the elect's sake, he's only made it seven years. Now, note where these, where there's judgment, there's also what? Mercy. So he's only keeping it brief, seven years, seven years. The second half is way worse than the first three and a half years. Now, in verse 16, like I said, he tells us, John, in his vision, he tells us exactly the size of this invading army, how many there will be. Twice 10,000, 10,000. You uh, numerologists amongst us, that's 200 million people. 200 million people. Think about that. 200 million. Now, maybe uh, China could muster an army like that. Maybe. But we're talking about demons, all right? Innumerable demons. But there's a specific number because God is a God of order, all right? Exactly 200 million, twice 10,000, 10,000. In verse 17, John tells us this attack on the inhabitants of the earth, a third of them, they're going to be led by riders on horses, not just the horses that we're familiar with. These are demonic horses, evil things, evil things that are riding them, evil things that are riding, that look like horses. He says they look like horses. Yes, they're horses, but they're different. They're different from horses that we are familiar with. Because he said their heads resembled the heads of lions. That's not like any horse I've ever seen. How about you? And they're similar to the demonic locusts that we learned about last week. Remember that? Those demonic locusts released earlier from the abyss. Last week he said that in that uh, first half of chapter 9, he says... Those demonic locusts, he says, they were like horses prepared for battle. Their teeth like lion's teeth. But these, those locust demons are different. They were just sent to torment the population. Remember that? And sting them like scorpions stings. To torment them. And they were told not to kill them just to torment them. Can you remember how long? Five months, wasn't it? Yes. The Bible tells us. Five months they were tormented by these stinging 
locust demons. They couldn't see them. Imagine that. Now, some Bible teachers believe that uh, this will be a human invasion because they see similarities to modern weapons of warfare. But notice again in verse 17, he said, the heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. So this vast army numbering 200 million strong, led by these four specially prepared demonic beings will kill, John says in verse 18. How many? A third of mankind was killed. By what? Tells us. Plagues. By three plagues. Does that sound like a... A Russian or a Chinaman to you? It says, fire, smoke, and sulfur came out of their mouths. It's not coming out of a tank. It's not coming out of a helicopter. It's not coming out of a missile, a jet. It's coming out of their mouths. Deadly weapons used to kill a third of the population on Earth are called plagues. Tells us what they are. Fire, smoke, sulfur. Sulfur is another name for brimstone. This is a fire and brimstone message. That's why a lot of people don't tune in and turn on. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear, you know, about G- you know Jesus' love and, you know, you're a good person and, you know. Well, this is the word of God and we've got to be warned those that are not saved, of the wrath to come. If I was you, I'd be very, very scared. But I'm not, because I know I'm going to go to heaven. Not because I earned it, deserved it, not because I'm a good person, because I've believed in Jesus Christ, and he saved me. He saved me from the wrath to come. He saved me from heaven. He could do the same for you. But if you're not saved, I would be very, very concerned and worried. Sulfur, another name for brimstone. Remember that, keep that in the brain box for a minute. All these things that we know, fire can kill, if it's not used correctly, right? Smoke can kill. You breathe enough of it, you're gone. And sulfur, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. Those three things. And God did it before, he's going to do it again. He did it back in Genesis 19, 24, where he rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah fire and brimstone. This, that was just a foretaste of what's coming during the Great Tribulation period. Just a foretaste. Listen to uh, St. Peter's history lesson. Not only his history lesson, but also is prediction of future events. This is what he said in his second letter, chapter 2, verse 6. By turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example 
of what is going to happen to the ungodly. What is going to happen? It's not happened yet. He rained down fire and brimstone on the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they were all reduced to ashes. And a third of the population, of the world's population, umpteen billions of people are going to be wiped out by these demonic forces of evil. The right day, the right time, the right year. God will use those to wipe out a third of the ungodly that are left behind. Verse 19, John describes these demon horses. Their deadly weapons come not only from their mouths, but also from their tails. The power of the horses were in their mouths and in their tails. And their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be extermination of millions upon millions of people. So we might ask the question, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people do, how could, how could, how come a, a loving God allow all this to happen to the inhabitants of the earth during the tribulation period, the coming tribulation? You know, if God is a God of love, how come he would allow this to happen and orchestrate the fact that it will happen and use these demonic creatures to wipe out a third. Well, it's because we don't have a true concept of who God is. We don't understand his righteousness and his holiness and his justice, you see. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Well, you know, there's even a limit to God's patience. There's a limit to God's patience. And all hell is going to break loose eventually. He's restraining his wrath and has done for thousands of years, allowing people to live and continue to live and reject his son, whom he sent to save them. They continue to live in wickedness and rebellion against God, and he could have wiped them out a lot sooner. He's very, very patient. He's been extremely patient for a very, very long time. He's shown an amazing restraint by holding back his judgment on the wicked for thousands of years, hoping, giving them opportunity to receive his son whom bled and died to save them, giving them the opportunity to be saved. He's holding back, but one day he's going to unleash his power and judgment on the wicked, and they will perish. And if you're not saved, you're going to perish in your sins. And that's the choice that you need to make.
because it's going to affect where you'll spend eternity when you leave this world. Thankfully, though, millions upon millions of people have been saved and also will be saved during the coming tribulation period. That's the mercy of God. He's going to send his witnesses to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. They're going to have the opportunity because some are so stubborn. They're still not going to come to Christ, but many will. And they'll be the tribulation saved. They'll be the elect. And because of the elect, he's going to keep the tribulation short, just seven years. So, unfortunately, even though God has been restraining his wrath that one day will be unleashed, all bets are off. Time's up. There's a common trait running through the hearts of all people. A common trait that's running through the hearts of mankind. People haven't changed. They're the same back in the uh, garden of Eden up until now. People are the same. There's a stubborn rebellion in the hearts of people. A stubborn rebellion. A stubborn will against God. We're born with it. It's called the old nature. It's a sin nature. We need to get a new nature. We need to get a new nature. The only way you can get a new nature is to be born again. Now, verse 20, it tells us quite plainly, and I'll you know, prove what I just said by what the scripture says. It's not my ideas. It's what the scripture says. There's a, there's a rebellious nature in the hearts of mankind. It's called sin. Now, even though God has given unbelievers countless opportunities to be saved for so many years, for thousands of years, and some have, thank God, some are being saved, some will be saved, verse 20 confirms that many people even knowing there's a third of the population that have just been wiped out, they're still going to resist God's merciful saving grace, even during the tribulation. Look at the first half of chapter 20, verse 20, chapter 9. The rest of mankind, that's the two-thirds that are left behind, okay? A third's already been wiped out. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. Stubborn, rebellious, still didn't repent, knowing full well that a third of the earth's population is wiped out, many will still refuse to turn from their sin. That's what repentance means. It's to turn. To turn from their sins 
to the Saviour, Jesus Christ, who died for them on the cross. They're not going to turn from their sins to the Saviour to receive forgiveness of their sins. They're going to show no remorse for how they live. In fact, they'll continue in their wicked practices. And he goes on to tell us, does John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what they are in verse 20. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, and their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So they just carried on, just as normal. Just do what comes naturally in rebellion against God. And they'll suffer the consequences like we all will unless we receive Jesus who paid the penalty for our sins so that we won't suffer for the sins that we've committed. So we should be so thankful, amen? We're so thankful that Jesus did that for us. So to conclude, you know, the book of Revelation, it demonstrates how the loving creator of the universe, as whom we know as God, how much he hates sin. So we don't, we don't have a concept of how much God hates sin. But he does. There's some things that God hates. He loves sinners but he hates sin and he's been restraining his wrath. He's been restraining his judgment on the wicked that deserve judgment. He's been restraining it. They deserve judgment. They deserve wrath. And God's holy justice demands it. It demands it. It has to be dealt with. It has to be eliminated. It has to be turned to ashes. And it will. So I hope and pray, those of you that are listening or watching, wherever you may be, to see these future events that will surely happen as a warning like I said, if I was unsaved, I'd be very, very scared because Jesus can return and he will at any time. We're going to be taken out and then the wrath will begin. The, the tribulation will begin immediately. The church is taken out. That could happen at any time. Don't wait to turn from your sins to the Savior. Don't wait to repent. He's the only one that really loves you. He proved that because he was the only one who died and bled for you on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins. 
Listen to God's word that doesn't lie. Again, in Revelation 21, we'll get there eventually, Lord willing. I don't know if we will or not. There's 22 chapters, and I'm due for a knee replacement. But <laughs> And we could be snuffed out at any moment, amen? Just wait till I finish the sermon, Lord. This is it, the word of God. And it sums up the rebellious people that are still functioning today that do not know Jesus Christ. Now, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, is that, does that sum you up? The unbelieving, the abominable, not snowman, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their place in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All unbelievers are going to go there. But you don't have to. The good news is, so we just heard the bad news, the good news is you don't have to go there because Jesus died for you. He bled for you. And he rose again from the dead. So you won't have to be separated from God and suffer eternal damnation in hell where all the other unbelievers go when they die. Believe the promises of God is another one in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For those, include yourself in that, for you, for those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from the wrath to come, saved for heaven, saved from your sins. Jesus did it. All you've got to do is believe it. Amen? Amen. Let's just close it in a word of prayer. Father, it's uh, an awesome thing to know what's going to befall this world. And uh, you're so patient and so loving, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I hope and pray, those that are listening, and watching. The all includes them. It includes you, wherever you are. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He bled for you. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. He did it. And those who call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, will be saved. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, and no man comes unto the Father but through me. You want to go to heaven? You've got to believe in Jesus who loved you, died for you, who rose again from the dead. Call upon his name while, it's, while you've still got breath, because when you leave this world, it's too late. And as for the rest of us, help us to be grateful. We will be eternally grateful but even more so that we won't have to go through the tribulation 
when it will surely come and the wrath of God will be poured out on the inhabitants of this earth when the church is taken out. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.